Regardless of what happens this offseason for the Louisville men's basketball program, one of the main priorities is keeping Tyler Johnson a Cardinal. On today's episode of the Locked on Louisville podcast, we're explaining why the program should build around the freshman point guard, how Caleb Glenn's last couple of games show his sky-high potential, and more. That said, let's get right on into the show. You are Locked on Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. Today's episode brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. As always, I want to personally thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder, the Lockdown Global Podcast is free on all streaming services five days a week. Your team, every day. The main debate from the Cardinals fan base is in relation to whether or not Kenny Payne will keep his job at the conclusion of the season. Regardless of if that happens or not, I'm going to explain why The Cardinals need to build around Tyler Johnson moving forward, and one of the priorities being that he needs to be kept as a Cardinal moving forward. We'll also explain how Caleb Glenn's past couple of performances highlight his sky-high potential, and then we'll go to the NFL draft side of things where Jarvis Brownlee, Isaac Garendo starting to be identified as NFL draft sleepers. So starting out in the college basketball realm, um, it's been a very challenging year. I really don't have to tell you that for the Louisville men's basketball team. Um, the Cardinals are currently 8-18 eight and 18 in the midst of Kenny Payne's second season. They've dealt with a handful of injuries. There have been some issues on the PR side of things. The fan base is as divided as probably I've almost ever seen it in my 24 years on this earth. And the main debate is whether or not Kenny Payne's going to keep his job. If you ask the majority of fans, if you ask the um, outstanding majority of the national media, the local media, they'll likely tell you that uh, this is it. After this, um, Kenny won't be the head coach of the Cardinals for a third season. Now, there are some um, people in the media, some fans that aren't buying that. They think that um, there still is an avenue for Kenny to keep his job heading into a third year that um, the outside noise is just that noise and that um, the plane all along was for a third year and that the administration is backing that sentiment and he's going to get a third season. I, I am personally, I would probably side in the first category. I think that it's probably unlikely that he keeps his job. I don't necessarily know that it's a done deal, but I don't really think that the avenue for Kenny to keep his job is um, it's extremely probable. I think that if you asked 90, 95% of Cardinal fans, uh, probably the majority are saying that, he's not going to be back for a third season. I'm not here to argue whether he should get that third year or not because there are very polarizingly different uh, perspectives in this debate. I'm just stating that if you made me say what's going to happen at the end of the year, 
personally, it feels like a change is going to be made. There's no inside information on my part. It just feels like a change seems to be imminent. But, hey, at the end of the day, who knows? But regardless, I think one thing stays the same, and that is one of the main priorities of this offseason, regardless if it's a new coach, regardless if Kenny Payne is back, freshman point guard Tyler Johnson, you have to keep him a Cardinal. Um, with the way the transfer portal works, players are essentially on one-year contracts, and we are in the wild, wild west as it relates to the portal. Um, we are in uncharted territory with um, how players are switching teams and with how NIL is working. You have to believe that some top programs will, if they have not already, uh, try to go after Johnson for him to enter the portal and leave Louisville. and. I have to say that there's probably a um, an avenue as to why people would believe that's a good idea. You have a chance to, you know, 100% go to the tournament next year and win ball games while being the primary point guard. It's going to be um, on whoever the coach is, whether it's Kenny or not. It's going to be on the NIL department to keep Johnson in the city of Louisville as a Cardinal next season. Because let me tell you. I saw it a couple of times on social media, a sentiment that I really resonated with, and that was that the jump from freshman to sophomore year for Johnson is going to be incredible. Um, we have to remember that he started pretty late in the semester, fought some eligibility issues, but got ruled eligible in the fall. So was behind in terms of working out with the team and got eligible and had some struggles early on, as you would expect freshmen to have. But since then, he has really come into his own, even though he's battling that concussion issue that he is currently dealing with up until this point. He has been fantastic. Right now, the freshman from Brooklyn, New York, is averaging nine points per game, 3.9 assists per contest, 37% from the field, 19.6% um, from the three-point line and 84.5% from the free throw line. You look at these numbers and you're thinking, are we serious? This is a guy you need to build around? Projection is key here. When you watch the Cardinals play, they are 100% a different team with him on the court. Now, there are questions as to what the offensive identity of this team is. What are the sets that are being run in the half-court setting that are getting this team open looks? Questions that we're still trying to figure out answers to. But one thing that I feel like is a non-negotiable observation is that this team looks light years better on the offensive end with Tyler Johnson leading the Cardinals at the point guard spot and having having Sky Clark as the off-ball guard, allowing, to, allowing him to focus on what he does best, that is score the basketball. Johnson... I think the statistical numbers are being skewed a little bit due to the slow start. Um, recently, he's been very, very good. I mean, you look at the past couple of performances. I start out against NC State back in January, had 14 points. Then you fast forward to Duke, he had 10 points. And ever since the Florida State game, where he became the first Cardinal player in program history to record over 25 points and 10 assists in a single game, he had 27 and 11 uh, and six rebounds and a win over Florida State. He had nine and six against Syracuse, 12 and five against Georgia Tech, 12 and seven in four steals against Boston College. I don't really like to throw this comparison out there just um, for giggles. 
but really gives me young Russ Smith vibes where he um, has some issues of trying to do too much and playing out of control and trying to force the issue. But when he allows the game to slow down and come to him is where he feels comfortable. You see that vision. You see the lack of defenders being able to stay in front of him. He's the best passer on the team. He has the best court vision on the team as a freshman. And Louisville has been dealing with some offensive injuries. I don't think that this is the greatest Louisville offensive team out there, but there are some um, ways that I feel like Johnson will get better in 2025 or 2024, 2025. I think one of the priorities, if you want to make it like a 1A, 1B, if you are um, building around Tyler Johnson, who at this point averaging nine points per game, I really think, I don't want to go as far as saying that he's going to double those numbers. Man, I've seen stranger things happen. I I think he would be in the 15 points per game, five assists per contest. And if he's putting that out as a sophomore, then you did the right thing in terms of keeping him on the roster, building around him because 1B is keeping Tyler and building around him, but 1 or 1A, that's 1A. 1B is adding more shooters. Adding another lob threat. I know you lost Dennis Evans. You lost J.J. Trainer um, to injuries, and you have some issues there. You lost Trenton Flowers before the season. I think you need to make him more of em- more of an emphasis, regardless of who the coach is, to bring more shooters into the program, to bring um, you know at least one lob threat onto this team. Because I'm thinking of the possibilities of Johnson being able to drive into the lane, and Louisville's not the best three point shooting team anyway, and he's still creating opportunities for his teammates if. He's able to operate with shooters around him with a lob threat. I think you unlock that passing potential that Johnson has, potentially making him one of the best passing point guards in the ACC. The three-point shooting is going to have to come around. He's going to have to improve in that regard, but he's got a whole offseason to at least make those numbers respectable, be better in terms of shot selection, which he has been in the past month, and I think that that is directly going to translate into a sophomore season in which I feel like the sky is the limit for him. And when we look back on it, if all things go to plan and Johnson is back, regardless of who the coach is, I think that he's going to um, improve a lot more. I do think he would benefit with a more defined offensive structure. I still um, pretty much two seasons into the Kenny Payne era. I, I struggle to understand what this team wants to do offensively rather than, you know, a lot of isolation basketball of getting to the rim and trying to get to the free throw line, which has been working for the Cardinals, but not substantially enough to get them to where they want to be. So I want to see more of an offensive structure, more of an offensive game plan for this team. And I think that that would directly benefit a player like Tyler Johnson. So the tent, the, the potential is sky high for him. One of the priorities is retaining Johnson and making sure you build around him. Speaking of sky high potential, There's been a debate as to whether or not Caleb Glenn is truly Louisville level in terms of talent. I'm here to explain to you that he is, and these past couple of performances are highlighting how that is. We'll explain why here momentarily after we talk about our friends and the title sponsor of the show, LinkedIn. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. It has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. 
It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy that, in fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Cardinal fans, thanks again for making Locked On Louisville your first listen of the day. Just a reminder that the Locked On Louisville podcast is free on all streaming services five days a week. Your team, every day. Speaking of everydayers, if you tune into this show regularly, you know that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. And now it's also available on Amazon Fire TV and the free Fire TV channels app. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Find Locked On Sports Today, now available on the free Fire TV channels app. Continuing on along in our men's basketball talk on this Monday edition of the Locked On Global Podcast, um, Caleb Glenn has been at the center of a multiple-year debate between the fan base, and it's sort of a low-key debate, but it gets brought up between time to time, and it's sort of being reintroduced over the past couple of months, is whether or not Caleb Glenn is a player worthy of playing at the Louisville level. I believe he is. Now, I understand that I'm a little biased. I announced um, for three-fourths of Caleb's high school career when he was at Mail which is my alma mater. I've been announcing there for, I think this is year six or seven that I've been on the mic on Preston Highway. But uh, before he transferred to La Lamere, I watched Caleb Glenn tear up um, the vast majority of Kentucky high school defenses and um, you know lead the state as a freshman in field goal percentage, increase his ball handling and post presence his sophomore year um, to where he was shooting uh, over 103 pointers his junior year and becoming more of a point forward. Now, Louisville, he is a role player utilizing his strength and athleticism and tenacity um, around the glass on both ends of the court. And it has questioned people as to whether or not he's Louisville level. I believe he is. And I think that these last couple performances are showing why that is. You go back to his career performance against Georgia Tech. He had a career high 15 points, 13 rebounds. It was his first double-double performance. I know that Georgia Tech's not the greatest team, but he was, in my opinion, we explained this, why the Cardinals came back the way they did. I think that you don't go on that run if Caleb Glenn is not on the court. You can't replace his motor. You can't replace his hustle. And let's also face it, the six-foot, six foot uh, six. 502 native is extremely strong and extremely athletic, and he is a mismatch down low when it comes to fighting for those rebounds, despite having the lack of, you know, height, so to speak. Boston College didn't have the greatest game. He was two of six, six points, three rebounds, but another solid performance where he led the Cardinals in scoring at Pittsburgh. He had 17 points, 7-11 from the field, uh, one of four from three, two of two from the free throw line. Um it was his third career game in which he scored in double figures, also scored in double figures the first time that the Cardinals played Pittsburgh back in January. Now, I understand that we might be sort of micro-analyzing these performances because Louisville's still losing the majority of the time. But just because they're losing these games, I still feel um, you know you have a bright future to look forward to when you talk about Caleb Glenn. 
I think ultimately I'm not necessarily worried as to whether or not he's going to leave. He committed when Mac was here, stayed committed when Kenny Payne took over. He is a Louisville guy, has family ties that have played at the University of Louisville, uh, played football. I believe it was his dad that played football, uh, potentially his uncle as well, but I believe it was his dad um, that played football for the university. He's a Louisville guy and pretty much always has been. Now, it's a two-way street. He has to want to play for the new coach. If the new coach comes in, he has to want to play for Kenny. If Kenny gets a third year and vice versa, the coach has to want to keep him here, which I don't know why you wouldn't because the freshman averaging, despite it's 3.5 points per game, 3.5 rebounds per game, 52.6% from the field. I look for those numbers to jump up his sophomore season. He's going to continue to improve. Male head coach Tim Hayworth told me that he's one of the hardest workers that he's ever coached. And I think that with an added offensive structure, I think it benefits guys like Caleb because it allows him to really define his role. And for me, his role is your small ball four plays like Shane Bahannon and Montrez Harrell in terms of position while giving me Dwayne Sutton vibes. I think he's going to be revered at in the same way that Dwayne Sutton was when he leaves Louisville. And I know that that's very high praise to give, but that's sort of my take on the matter is because I think he's going to improve each and every season. And we're going to get to a spot where does he have a ceiling higher than J.J. Trainer? I would argue so. Um, I think that the floor is a little bit lower than J.J. I think that J.J.'s um, on-ball defense and um, three-point shot at this point gives him maybe the edge there, but I think that the ceiling is higher with Caleb. And if you bring a coach in or if you switch the offensive identity up to the point to where you define him a role, you refine his skill set, you improve his three-point shooting and ball handling, you're going to get to a spot to where I, I really – would be excited to see where Caleb Glenn is as a sophomore going into a junior season and potentially as a senior. I look at him as a potential four-year guy that, if all goes well, could play himself into an early um, draft. Um, I don't even know what I'm going to say. A player that goes to the draft early, I, I should say. But there are some keys to it. You have to get the offensive skill set, the offensive identity of the team to match what you want to do philosophically um, and define the role. Because I think Caleb plays a lot like Shane Bahannon, sort of the same size, utilizing strength, um, has a little bit more athleticism than Shane, a lot of that same tenacity around the boards. I know that the college game has sort of shifted, but Caleb has some switchability in terms of defense, and that's going to allow him to stay on the court. And I think that the three-point shot is going to continue to improve. Is he going to be a 35% shooter on six to seven attempts per games? Probably not. But I do think that he is going to be a serviceable three-point shooter, sort of like J.J. Trainer, And that's going to bode well for his college career. So to answer the question, I think that we're starting to see glimpses of Glenn's potential. And to do it without a point guard on Saturday evening against Pittsburgh, just reiterates to me that the skill set is there. The potential is there. It's about getting into the developmental side and maximizing that skill set, maximizing his physical attributes, strength, 
um, overall um, just athleticism and tenacity, and you're going to be in a position where Caleb Glenn is going to be a multiple-year contributor for this team. I think that these are valuable reps that he's getting. Unfortunately, it has to come at the expense of others' um, availability, like J.J. Trainer. Um, but Glenn is getting some uh, opportunities. But you refine that role. You define what it is heading into his sophomore year. That's going to be the main thing for me is if a coaching change is made, what does the role look like for Caleb? Is he going to be a player that's left on the outside looking in in the rotation? Something to focus on. But I'm extremely excited for Glenn's potential, and I think that the sky is the limit. So um, a little bit of a player being underrated in this sense. Speaking of players being underrated, we now shift our attention over to the NFL, where former Louisville Cardinals Jarvis Brownlee and Isaac Garendo their stock has been rising. Their names have been popping up in NFL draft sleepers conversation. We're going to explain why that is and what this means on draft day here momentarily after we talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with the quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel is the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Heading into the final segment of this Monday edition of the Locked On the Louisville podcast. Um, I know the NFL draft is about two months away, and um, it's we haven't even got to free agency yet, so the NFL season, it, the conclusion is still fresh and a lot of people are focusing on basketball, but a trend that I'm seeing that I do want to talk about that is Jarvis Brownlee and Isaac Garendo. Their stocks are rising respectively. We're starting to see their names be tossed out a little bit more in NFL draft sleepers conversation. Jarvis Brownlee might've seen his stock rise more than anyone at the senior bowl um, had really good practices utilized um, and put his strength on display, his size, Brownlee being six foot, 190 pounds. He's a guy that isn't necessarily the tallest, but plays with an aggressiveness that you just don't find with every cornerback. And that's something that I feel like people are starting to gravitate toward. NFL draft scouts are starting to gravitate toward. Now, is that a reflection of how NFL teams view him? That is to be determined, but um, Brownlee put on a clinic in coverage at the Senior Bowl, which was one of the main question marks for me. It was, was how can he guard the best of the best in the world? We know he's a good defender in the running department. Um, Brownlee was probably the best defensive back in terms of defending the run. Um, in his career, he got close to 150 total tackles and for basically four complete seasons of play. And that's no uh, question as to whether or not, you know, he can play at the high level in defending the run, but you have to be able to be solid in coverage as well. Now he's solid in 50, 50 balls um, in his career. He has over 20 pass deflections. He has uh, six interceptions in four complete seasons, one forced fumble, uh, one pick six. However, he still has to show or 
he needed to show at the senior bowl that, you know, he can defend some of the nation's best because there were times in the 2022 year where he didn't play all that well. Johnny Wilson um, really exposed Brownlee. Now Wilson is six foot seven, Brownlee six foot. So um, you can chalk that up to a size mismatch, but the point still stands. There were flaws in the coverage ability, but I think people are starting to come around on the coverage skills. They are coupling that with the tenacity that he plays with and the ability to defend the run. And all of a sudden, Brownlee goes from being maybe a round seven mock to let's start looking at Brownlee in round four to five. It would not surprise me to see the Miami native um, go early on day three. I just don't know if he's done enough to get to day two. I know that he was um, he was invited to the NFL Draft Combine, so there will be an opportunity there for him to raise his stock again considerably with solid testing, solid interviewing skills. But you see what I'm saying? It's just really hard to go from uh, day, day three, the end of day three, to late day two. Um, in the span of a couple months with no football being played. so But if you were to go in the fourth, maybe fifth round, that that's a very good win for Mr. Brownlee. And I think that that is going to bode well for you know the trend that is his stock rising. Another player that's being talked about more and more, Pro Football Focus has identified five NFL draft sleepers, and Louisville running back Isaac Garendo was one of them. And if you're a Louisville fan, this probably doesn't surprise you all that much. He had 132 carries on 810 yards and 11 touchdowns in 2023 while being, you know, playing second fiddle to Jawar Jordan as the Cardinals feature back. Now, Garendo's number was called more often than not as Jordan battled some health issues down the stretch. But when Garendo needed to be the go-to bell cow, in the Cardinals' rushing attack, well, he rose the occasion. I mean, you look at the Virginia game. Um, USC, he played extremely well. He still had a career season while being the second um, option in the Cardinals' offense. One thing that I think, two things, actually, that he displayed this season that I think really helps him out. Number one is the speed matches up with the size. One thing you want to know is, for a larger running back, can he have breakaway speed. The 6 foot 1 225 pound native of Clayton, Indiana um had a fantastic season showcasing that burst. And um the second thing was can you do it efficiently? Well, he's averaging 6.1 yards per carry. He didn't do it against Cupcakes. He did it against um Florida State where he averaged, I'm sorry, not Florida State. He only had four carries against Florida State. Um, he did it against USC, where he averaged seven carries, 23 for one seven yards per carry. Sorry, 23 carries, 161 yards, three touchdowns. And when his number was called more than 10 times, he really didn't struggle. Now, the Pittsburgh game, he struggled, but that was the only game in which he carried the ball more than 10 times and had under four yards per carry. So, the efficiency is there, and I would expect Garendo now running back. This is a not a top-heavy running back class, but there are some players in this class like Bucky Irving, Jonathan Brooks, Trey Benson, etc., that I think are going to come off the board first in the NFL draft. I think Garendo is probably maybe in that next group, depending on how he tests. If he tests well, if he runs the 40 well, if he uh, does the bench well, 
and um, also if he interviews well. I think you're looking at it as the same thing like Brownlee. I think maybe a little bit later due to positional value, but Isaac Grindel, I think, jumped up at least one round over the past couple months um, just due to the trend that is, that is NFL draft talk. But that's going to wrap up today's episode of the show. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Go Cards.